Welcome to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and today we're going to be talking about Walking Your Blues Away, How to Heal the Mind and Create Emotional Well-Being by Tom Hartman. It's copyrighted in 2006 and published by Park Street Press out of Rochester, Vermont. Well, Kira, I know that a lot of our Healthy Tips listeners probably wonder, why are we reviewing a book on Healthy Tips? Because our book review is primarily on our Better Living Institute Book Talk podcast. Right. And that's true, but we had run across this little book, and the message inside is large economy size. (laughs) (laughs) This program that Tom Hartman puts together in this little book really does work. Kira's tried it. I've tried it. I got through several different emotional hurts that have been plaguing me my whole life, or some of them for maybe 20 years. The process really works. And quickly, very quickly. It's really almost effortlessly. But first, let's start from where Tom Hartman does. He asks the question, do we heal ourselves mentally? He acknowledges that over 5 million years of evolution, human beings evolved a totally automatic healing mechanism for the physical body. We scab over for cuts. We can heal broken bones. Of course, it's better if a doctor helps you set them or someone else. We can repair internal tissues. Even our organs can be repaired by our bodies. He asked the question, well, does that also hold true for the mind and for the brain? Is it possible? Did Mother Nature put some of those things together? And he thought, yeah, that's got to be the way it is. It's got to be some plan that nature put together. And so the answer is yes, we can, in fact, heal our emotional hurts. We also do, in fact, heal them. Hartman mentions that nature has evolved ways to actually soften the shock of any kind of an emotional event. The mental process happens by different parts of the brain working together in order to process the painful event. Our brain redefines it and reframes it and places it in a different context that we can learn to live with. We begin to view the trauma as if it's from a distance, and then we can see the event in relation to other memories that we have. We also learn to evaluate and compare the event to other events from our past, and also the experiences of others. Now, Tom Hartman totally acknowledges that in the realm of psychology and psychiatry, of which he himself is a member, their healing has been going on for as long as that science has been around, and other doctors have been doing healing work with patients. But when we say, has Mother Nature evolved away, he was basically looking for something that was a natural way. Perhaps the caveman used it, and all of our ancestors since then. And this is the book that he wrote, and this is the plan that he's sharing with the world. And as Kira said, He did find a system that Mother Nature provided, and it does do all the wonderful things that she just said. So how does this mind-healing breakdown, how does this trauma that gets stuck in our head heal? Well, first it's necessary to understand how the brain collects and records all of our daily events. You read a book, be in a car accident, get mugged. As you experience things, the events recorded first in your hippocampus, which is part of the limbic brain. 
The limbic system supports a variety of functions, including your emotions, your behavior, your motivation, your long-term memory, and your sense of smell. Your entire emotional life is stored in the limbic system for the most part. The limbic system also has a lot to do with the formation of memories. The hippocampus holds all of this information, this day-to-day activity, in an immediate minute-by-minute framework of memories. All day, it stores these various experiences or observations. With all of your five senses in working order, so that you have sight, taste, touch, hearing, and smell, your hippocampus will also record all of these impressions along with the event. It's almost as if you were making your own movie starring you. Also, in living color, as long as you're not colorblind. This is why you might remember your mother's kitchen when you hear bacon frying or maybe smell coffee brewing in the morning and you'll have these memories of, oh, wow, I remember what it was like back at mom's. It's also why you'll look around for an accident when you hear tire screeching followed by a loud boom or crash. So how does the mind process all these daily events? including your happy times and your sad times and all of your traumatic ones as well. When we're asleep, these movies that Bill's just talked about that you're creating in your mind get passed over into the other areas of the brain for processing and interpretation. So the next day, as you're calling out memories from the past, they're returned with a timeline frame of reference. And they have the thoughts and the feelings and all that rich data that's been interpreted by the other areas of the brain. It puts them into a context so that we can handle them more readily and we don't have so much trauma. Right, Kara. But the disease aspect comes in after an emotional trauma that can be so hot or hot shocking is another way to describe it. And hot shocking is different from everyone. One person's humiliation is another person's laugh off. One person's car accident is another person's total tragedy. Well, the other parts of the brain at night refuse to process this memory from the hippocampus. That memory is just too shocking for the other parts of the brain. Hmm. So it won't touch it. When this happens, the event is often left behind in the hippocampus as a memory instead of being erased from the hippocampus. Because that's the last step. Once the hippocampus transfers all the memories at night, it gets erased and it's ready for the next day. Wham! Well, because the hippocampus has no timeline frame of reference, the hippocampus only knows now. That memory that's left behind in it feels like it has just happened whenever we might happen to remember it. So something comes up and causes us to focus on that memory again, and the hippocampus still stores it. It now feels like, oh, it's happening right now. Now, we have a certain time frame of reference that we know it didn't happen immediately, but what does especially get left behind are all the emotions, all the feelings, and these can be very raw and very hard and very sharp and almost like it just happened. We're being re-injured over and over again. So if you trigger that memory, whatever it might be, a smell could re-trigger that memory. Or you could be talking to some people and they might mention that other person's name and you go, oh, you know, I remember, oh, that, that was a terrible thing they did to me. The fear, the shame, the humiliation, the disgust, it all comes flying back as if it had just happened. 
And you can say, well, it happened 10 years ago. And for some people, it's as far back as 60 years ago, and they still remember just as raw. As we said earlier, all this happens because the traumatic event never really does get properly processed into the long-term memory areas of the brain. It's left there in the hippocampus area, which is experiencing in the now. The act of processing an emotional trauma into a long-term memory causes that event to actually lose its power. It doesn't cause as much pain then. The brain's process of defining and evaluating and cataloging and filing an event is a way of kind of redefining it and reframing it in the context of our experiences and our beliefs. Through this process, it removes the highs and the lows of the event so that it's no longer as traumatic. So even your experiences of going to Disney World are not going to be as high as you had them then, or the experience on your wedding day, or the experience if you're a parent when your first child was born. Even those highs will get muted somewhat. That's just how the memory system works. Right, the healthy memory system. (laughs) So let's shift for just a moment. We want to look at another function of the brain and how it works to help your body move. There are two hemispheres in your brain. You have a left brain and a right brain, and they each specialize in certain ways. The left hemisphere handles thinking and speaking functions, and the right hemisphere handles feeling and sensing functions. But they do work together to stimulate your muscles to move. Each brain hemisphere alternately sends electrical impulses. These are like little messages to your muscles and cause them to contract or relax. This starts the action needed to get up or sit down or run, walk, talk, just to name a few things. This ability of the brain to hand off the control of the body's muscles in this back and forth kind of way from the left brain to the right brain is what makes it possible for us to have a smooth, fluid movement instead of this jerky robot-like motion. Just as these two brain hemispheres work closely together to accomplish this smooth, fluid movement, they must also work closely together to accomplish a smooth, complete processing of your memories. Now, this often takes place in your REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement. And if you watch a person sleeping, you can actually see the action of their eyeballs under their closed eyelids. It's really quite amazing. You can see it on Google if you want to go in and check out REM sleep. If the memories are not properly processed in this REM sleep, they will, as I said a little bit earlier, get stuck in the hippocampus. So the REM sleep is very important. It's not the only vehicle for clearing memories and for reprocessing memories, but it is the main one that the body uses during sleep. So now we want to get into what Tom Hartman is talking about in his book as the healing mechanism. It was discovered a long time ago that a rhythmic side-to-side motion could also help the brain's hemispheres to work together to process traumatic emotional events. In its simplest form, if you perform any rhythmic side-to-side motion while you recall trauma, you can clear that trauma, just as it's cleared at night when you're sleeping. For instance, someone might move an object, like an ink pen, back and forth in front of your eyes. You keep your head still, but track the object with your eyes. Your eyes are flitting back and forth following the object, like REM sleep. And you remember the trauma 
while someone is moving this pen and you're having this experience of flitting back and forth following the object. Another example would be someone alternately tapping on your forehead. First on the left side, then on the far right side, then back to the left side, and so on. They would be doing it in a slow, steady rhythm, and you would be imagining your trauma while they're doing this. Your head is being held still, but your eyes would be free to move back and forth, and your awareness would be tracking that finger back and forth. So this also helps to create the rhythmic side-to-side motion that has been so helpful in trying to clear these unusual incidences. Performing this side-to-side slow and steady rhythm forces the brain to hand off control of the muscles that you're moving, your eyes in this example, from the left brain to the right brain and back again and over and over. For some reason, presently unknown to science, this body motion is necessary to properly, thoroughly, and permanently process emotional events and heal this emotional trauma. Tom Hartman theorizes that this is the method that prehistoric man used, especially when the hunting party was returning from the hunt, and perhaps one of their members was severely injured or killed perhaps even eaten by the prey that they were after. That might be traumatic. That would be pretty (laughs) traumatic. And they have to report that incident to their tribe. On the way home, they would be thinking about the trauma. They would be thinking about what to say about it or how to demonstrate it. This walking and thinking would be helping them to clear or reframe that memory. It's an interesting observation to correlate the right and left movement of walking, the movement of your legs and the swinging of your arms, to this very act of clearing. Right. How did he do that? How did he come up with that? While watching some people walking through his village, Dr. Hartman noticed that the simple act of walking produced this natural, rhythmic, left-to-right process. Then he wondered if walking could be the vehicle to stimulate the brain's hemispheres to work together and to heal these emotionally traumatic wounds. So he must have already known about that tapping technique. Oh, he knew a lot about that. In fact, he also talked about a lot of other things. Hypnosis, where they actually use the pocket watch that goes back and forth and back and forth. So, yes, He already knew that a lot of these techniques had been used. They had been used by other psychologists, and they used to actually stroke both sides of a patient's face as they had them remember certain traumatic events. I've studied the emotional freedom technique, and that also does a lot of tapping on various parts of the body. Some of these other forms of healing that were used psychologically in the past are somewhat similar to that, but some of them came into disfavor. So it's interesting that he began to correlate some of those techniques with the actual rhythmic walking that is also accomplishing the same kind of healing. He reasoned that a person would need to hold their painful memory in their mind while they were walking in order for it to be healed. So he decided to try an experiment. He had a particular issue. It was embarrassing. But it wasn't a hot one in particular, just something a little embarrassing, but enough so that he would refer to it every now and then and not really quite forget it. So he thought, well, let me get outside and give this a try. When he started walking, he made sure that he had a long enough distance. He didn't really know what the distance would be, what would be needed. 
But he thought, well, I'll make sure that I have enough time and enough distance. And it was just through the village. He was surprised at how fast things began to change and how fast the memory began to slip away from his grasp. So this experiment became very successful for him. He discovered that you don't have emotional amnesia. You don't forget the event and never, ever bring it up again. Basically, the event becomes reframed as it was supposed to happen over your sleeping when the hippocampus was supposed to be emptied and it didn't get properly emptied. Now, basically, it has been emptied and it has been reframed. It carries an understanding of the event that you can now put in a different context. And so it's no longer quite so embarrassing. It's no longer quite so hot. He said that when he was doing this walking technique, that it was just like magic. He could remember the emotional hurt, but he wasn't affected by it or unnerved by it or really upset by it any longer. It just kind of lost all of its traumatic qualities. His quote is, Our emotionally painful memories transform from being a stark, scary, sound-filled color movie into being a black-and-white still photograph that is flattened out and silent. That's pretty effective. And after reading that, I was quite interested and quite intrigued, and I definitely wanted to try it. And I had some that were a little hotter than his, as he described it, and I had some that were quite difficult for me. And every time I would think of them, I would just get angry. I'd think of it in the morning when I'd wake up, especially if I had to wake up to go to the bathroom, I'd come back and lay in the bed and I couldn't get back to sleep because I'd be hashing this event in my life and I would be hashing it and I would be gnashing it. And I just couldn't get back. I worked myself up into a state. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the really wonderful part about this is that it's a permanent effect you no longer have it bothering you. I found that to be really interesting that you can just take a 20 minute to a half hour walk thinking about some really traumatic or really disturbing event in your life that's still hanging on and that you have not been able to discharge by hook or by crook. You can permanently dislodge that feeling. You still are aware of the event. Like Bill said, it doesn't go away, but it no longer has that same impact and it's a permanent healing. That was the really wonderful part, is that you yourself had that experience, right, Bill, when you were doing some walking? That's right. And Tom Hartman has a general quote here from some of the people that have tried this technique, and their response is, wow, that really worked. And why was I ever so bothered by that event in the first place? They can't even reconnect with the heavy emotions that had bothered them, again, many for years and years. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by App Judo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App Judo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. When you do get into a really good walk, 
you notice that people always do walk with this rhythm. It really does become a rhythm as you start walking any distance at all. And your right arm and your left leg sort of swing forward. And then your left arm swings forward with your right leg. And your hips are also involved. The motion is coinciding with the legs going left brain, right brain. The left part of your brain controls the right part of your body. And the right part of your brain controls the left part of your body. So as you're walking, you're exercising both parts of your brain. Tom Hartman's instruction is to place the memory in your mind, get it back fresh into your mind. Then as you walk, hold the memory as if you're holding a basketball. You're actually letting your arms slide, but you're mentally holding that memory out in front of you like you're holding a basketball. And it's right out in front of your chest. As you walk, you see that memory. Most people who try this technique discover that after just a few blocks of walking, the colors of the memory is the first thing to start to fade. The memory begins to shift around, possibly, side to side or maybe even behind you. After a few more blocks, you begin thinking to yourself, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing that happened, and you begin to start rationalizing the memory it becomes more difficult to hold it into your consciousness because it doesn't bother you that much anymore. You have to kind of force the brain to bring the memory back, bring the memory back. Right. I think it's important, too, for people to understand that you can't be doing a lot of other things while you're doing this walk. It has to be an intentional walk. It's a purposeful kind of walk. You're not just casually or leisurely strolling. You're actually using this intentional rhythm and You don't want to be doing other things that are going to distract you from your purpose. You don't want to be listening to any music or stopping and browsing in store windows or anything. Conversation with other people, anything that's going to break the flow and interrupt this healing process. Typically, the best way to do it is by yourself. As Bill said, just holding that traumatic issue or that hot issue out front, front and center, and keep it alive in your mind as much as you can as you're doing this walk. Also, the arms need to be swinging in a rhythmic fashion. So you wouldn't want to be holding books or holding a package or holding a shopping bag, something along that line. So you pretty much have to have loose clothing, good shoes. (laughs) Yep, that's important. Most of your traumatic emotions and experiences can be resolved on just one walk. But it is also not unusual for some traumas to have more than one walk. Yeah, and there's really no downside to that, I don't think. There's no failure involved because you simply bring it up again on another walk. How hard is that? Also, if in a few days or perhaps a week or two or even a month or more later, this memory comes up and you feel like it's still bothering you and you know if it's bothering you or not because you'll be able to tell the difference. Well, no problem there either. Just roll it back into your lineup and walk it off again. And you will find that you may carry, like I do, carry a little uh, notebook to write some of these issues down on so that you'll know what to walk with the next time you go walking. Sometimes you start walking and you actually can't think of something to walk with. Maybe a few days later you go, oh, I should have walked that part off. Or that's a thing that's still bothering me. I should have walked that off. So as you think of these during the week and during your activities, Write them down so that the next time you have time to do a walk-off session, you'll have some ready-made traumas to work on. Now, he actually does give five steps to actually performing a session. The first one is to define what your issue is. 
really no right or wrong way to go about doing that. There isn't any issue that's too big or too small. You know, whatever's bothering you. If it's something that's bothering you, you can use this method to walk it off. You don't need to start with any particular kind of issue and work, you know, a small issue and work your way up to a hard one. No, anything, whatever. If it's a hot issue, if it's a small issue, anything that's bothersome to you can be walked off. If you can think about it and visualize it and get a feeling from it, then you can walk it off. And this issue can be a recent issue or it can be something way back in your past. As long as you can remember it, you can work on it. It can involve issues that relate to people who are alive today, or it can include experiences that you've had with people who are no longer with us. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for bullet pad. So step two is to bring up the story. So as you're getting ready for your walk and you're perhaps not even outside yet, begin to think about the issue that you want to resolve on that particular walk. There's always a story connected to every traumatic emotional issue. It's your story because you're the one that made it up. Your mind cataloged it and has all the parameters that are important to you. It's your own interpretation, and that's what's important, not how someone else felt about it or how your mother felt about it or your mate or anyone else. It's just really how you did it and what spin you have on it. Describe a story to yourself, especially as you would if you were in a private, safe place and you could actually tell that story. The next step after you've done that is to just walk with the issue. As Bill mentioned earlier, you want to wear comfortable clothes and shoes. And you don't want to carry anything because this will restrict your arm swinging motion and it will ruin the back and forth effect of your walking. You want to pick a familiar route and one that's long enough to provide a walk that's about 30 to 45 minutes. You want to make sure that the terrain that you're walking in is something that fits your present state of fitness. You don't want to be going up and down steep hills if you're not in shape to do that. Now, you don't purposely try to avoid distractions. You don't have to choose a special route of any kind. There are going to be things that will distract you, but you just want to continuously bring your attention back to the issue you're working on. You want to bring up the picture of this incident in your mind while you're returning your attention to it. You keep your attention on only one issue per walk. You don't want to do more than one issue. And this So is- you multitaskers out there and you know who you are. <laughs> You only do one per walk. I know this is hard for me. I'd get partway through the walk and then something else would come up and i go, oh, yeah, what about that one? I should work on that one too. <laughs> no. But if you don't work long enough on your issue, then you're not going to resolve it or process it properly. The actual time that it takes to fully resolve an issue is usually a short part of your walk. But it takes the whole walk 
to accumulate this amount of time because of your wandering attention. You want to remind the mind to return to the task continuously throughout the walk. When your mind drifts, get it right back on the issue. Step four, notice how the issue is changing for you. As people do a memory-resolving walk, the emotional value, that temperature, as I said before, the hotness of the memory will change. It's not unusual for walkers to report that the painful or embarrassing parts begin to fade even begin to disintegrate before their eyes. The memory may move ahead, out in front of you. Instead of being right where your arms could hold a basketball, it might move several feet in front of you. The memory might move off to the side. The memory might move behind you. That's all okay. All that's okay. The present tense pain ends up becoming past tense experience. Again, it's reframed, it's in a different context, and you feel differently about it. So the fifth step, and this is an important step, is to anchor that new feeling, that new state that you've created. You want to observe your new reactions to this memory, and you want to observe the feelings that are created by that emotional trauma now. And you want to try to retell your story to yourself and see how it has changed. In what ways is the storytelling different than it was before? How would telling your story to a friend change if you were to tell it now? There's actually, you know, no need to go tell this to anybody. That's the wonderful thing about this. You can keep all of your privacy. The issue never has to be told to anyone. That's the beauty of doing the healing in this way. It's very personal. Another part of anchoring is to ask yourself if this memory now holds any gifts for you. Are there any positive things that will come to you in your life because you had that experience? Are you going to learn something from that experience that you really couldn't see the learning gift before because you were so tied up in the emotions of that? But now that you're no longer tied up, that gift may be available to you. True. That's very true. And you can look at it with a totally different framework. Writing your new story and the new impressions in your diary or your journal can be a big help to anchoring the new state. If you don't want to write it, You could try going off by yourself to a quiet and safe place and just tell the story out loud to God or to the universe, but in some way, make it real to yourself. These are all great anchoring steps, and they will help make the new state permanent. But as I said before, it's no shame to walk it again. I have walked some of my memories probably four or five times. If they come up again in a hurtful way, I'll walk them again. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Because some major things that hurt me a lot, people did things that I just really had a hard time accepting. And it's like they're nothing. (laughs) No, it's amazing. That's really wonderful. And that really is the end product of this whole thing. That emotional trauma is now and on into the future. It's going to be available to you as a resource rather than a problem. You're going to be able to look at it differently and have a different experience with it. These memories are now completely out of your hippocampus. They no longer are there in the now state to bother you over and over again. It is amazing what resources might be available now. It's a really cool technique. It's a very simple book. Again, it's Walking Your Blues Away by Tom, T-H-O-M, Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N. And you can see this on our website. So give it a try. You can get it from Amazon. That's where we got ours. 
Exactly. And we love it. I do. It's a small book and it's an easy read. Before we leave, we do want to say to the audience that we're not healthcare providers and nothing we say here should be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or prescribe anything. Everything that we share here is our own opinions and it's based on our own personal research and experimentation. And as Bill's just told you, he's had some good results with this idea. So we hope you're listening and we hope you benefit. That's our show for today. Bill and I want to thank you for being with us. You can subscribe to our show by going to iTunes Podcast and just look for the Better Living Institute Healthy Tips Podcast. Or you can also find us on the web at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. And there you'll find all of our podcasts, articles, and products. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, we do hope that you'll share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for being with us and please join us again next week. For the Better Living Institute Healthy Tips Podcast, this is Kira and Bill Van Ittersom. So long for now, everyone.